Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your look at everything that's going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, and animal conservation and animal weirdness. We do it all here. Um, quick reminder, this is a crowdsourced news program. So if you happen to see anything that you think might, uh, you know, be good for a Zoo News episode, you can tag me in it on social media at Rossafari on all of those, except for TikTok, where it's at Rossafari Pod, or you can email them to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, or, you know, text, call, whatever. Y'all know how to reach me. And uh, then I will say your name at the end of the episode. Um, and I really, I can't stress this enough, but yet again, uh, just holy cow, so many things, so many things have been sent to me. Um, I know I don't get to all of them anymore. Um, I do keep a database of things if I ever do have a slow week. So uh, you may hear a story weeks or months later, but um, don't worry. I look at them all. I, I, check them all out and I appreciate them all being sent, whether they make it onto the episode or not. So thank you all for being a part of this. Yay, the Rossafarian community. Woo! And speaking of the Rossafari community, man, I have to tell you. Okay, so true story. When I make this podcast, I just follow my own instincts. You know, Zoe is obviously involved with editing. And from time to time, there are a few people who I trust well enough to run an idea by or um, maybe a wildly inappropriate joke that I was convinced to pull out of a Zoo News episode months and months ago, because uh, there are some really amazing people who um, I can trust. But in general, I just kind of do what I do and give it all a shot and it's going well and that's amazing and sometimes it's kind of weird to me. Never has it been weirder than the response to last week's Zoo News episode. You see, here I sat ready to record with a bunch of cool news stories, but I realized that I didn't have anything planned to talk about in the intro at all. And oftentimes when that happens, I just open the mic and start to ramble. Uh, but I didn't really know what I was going to say. And then I looked up at my ceiling and I saw the spider that has been living in my housing, my buddy Benjamin. And so I decided to share with you all about Benjamin and the new little spider that also showed up and, and talk about the domestication of, of spiders, accidental though it may be. And you all fell in love. I don't think I've had a single topic that I brought up on this podcast that has gotten more of a response than Benjamin. Y'all have been tagging me in different things about spiders and just at John Rossi or at Ross Safari, Benjamin, that's all. People have sent me pictures of the spiders that they let live in their houses or told me how interesting they found that fact about the domestication stuff. I cannot believe that Benjamin has been the thing that y'all are the most excited about with this podcast, but that is the case, and it's so cool. And I am here to tell you, 
that Benjamin is doing well. He is directly above me on the ceiling as I'm speaking to you right now. And I don't think I said this last week, but I've come up with a name for the small spider that is also living here and also seems to be doing well. Now, obviously, the the slightly larger one is Benjamin, which is why the little one is now named Benjamini. And okay, I admit this may be a good example of why the names I suggest for animals at zoos are never what those animals get named, but uh, I'm very happy with Benjamini. I'm also starting to contemplate the fact that I've only got a couple weeks left at this gig, and um, I feel like the cleaners will just come in and and get rid of these spiders. So assuming that the spiders want to hang out and want to stay here for the next week and a half, do I just have to pack them up and take them home with me? Is that a thing? I I don't know. Let me know what y'all are thinking, because clearly y'all care about Benjamin and now Benjamini. Okay, here's an ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right, so a lot of crazy stories this week. So without further ado, let's get to it. Zoo news, zoo news. It's the news that's about zoo, zoo news. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, so as we get started, I'm going to do something that I am going to call the push it section. Based on the song from, I want to say the 90s, that was called Push It and had the line, oh, baby, 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 because frankly, we got a a couple of new babies to talk about. So, uh, all right, let's start off by saying congratulations to the Akron Zoo. For the first time in Akron Zoo history, a white stork chick has been hatched at the zoo, which is really exciting. Uh, They don't know the gender yet or anything. Um, And uh, the baby is currently living with their parents off exhibit, but will make a public debut later on. So congrats to everyone at the Akron Zoo. Moving on from there, the Henry Villas Zoo has uh, recently announced the birth of a critically endangered Bornean orangutan. And, you know, despite the fact that I've said many times it's orangutan, not orangutan, and I know that, and y'all know it, and we talk about it on the podcast a lot, I still get nervous every time I say orangutan on here, because I feel like if one G slips in there, I'm going to hear about it from all of you. 
Anyway, a lot of times orangutan mothers don't do the best job and there needs to be some co-parenting. But in this case, Chelsea, the orangutan mom, is doing an incredible job and taking such good care of the baby that the keepers and vet staff haven't actually been able to get their hands on it yet. They don't know the sex, they don't know the weight, but they know it's doing really, really well. And by the time you hear this, it is likely that Chelsea and the baby will be on exhibit and there for the public to see. So yay, Henry Villas Zoo. The San Diego Zoo has recently celebrated the birth of an aardvark cub. And this is actually the first time that an aardvark cub has been born at the San Diego Zoo in over 35 years. Uh, really exciting news. Aardvarks are awesome. And, uh, you know, so's the San Diego Zoo. And last but not least in our push it section this week, and yeah, I'm only doing that because I like to push it with y'all, and also because I was pushing it with the timing of this episode, I started recording this at 11 o'clock on Thursday night when it's supposed to drop at midnight. So yeah, lots of pushing it. But anyway, the last birth to discuss in our push it section is Stevie. Stevie is a baby chimpanzee that was born at Zoo Knoxville to Mother Binti. Now, if you are a Rossafari fan and you go back a ways, then you know about Binti. I've gotten to meet Binti through glass because obviously you can't be hands-on with a chimp, but Binti is an incredible chimpanzee, and uh, it's really exciting that Stevie is not only there, but is doing very well. Now, if you don't recognize the name Binti, you need to go back and check out the first interview I did with Tiffany James at Zoo Knoxville, and I guarantee you, you will fall in love with that chimp. And now you know that... She has a baby named Stevie. Yay, Zoo Knoxville. And now we leave the push it section, although we are going to talk about a trial where uh, some, quote, animal rights activists, some anti-captivity people, were in fact trying to push it with the law and have been shut down. The highest court in the state of New York has ruled that Happy the Elephant cannot be considered a person being illegally confined in the Bronx Zoo. Probably because she's an elephant? The decision, as written by Chief Judge Janet DeFiori, said that while no one disputes that elephants are intelligent beings deserving of proper care and compassion, a writ of habeas corpus is intended to protect the liberty of human beings and does not apply to a non-human animal like happy. Habeas corpus, by the way, is a nifty Latin phrase that um, in the legal setting uh, allows people to um, challenge illegal confinement. The decision went on to say that, followed to its logical conclusion, such a determination would call into question the very premises underlying pet ownership, the use of service animals, and the enlistment of animals in other forms of work. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, people always talk about slippery slopes, and I feel like there are a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, if happy's a human, then we can save happy, but nothing else will happen. But honestly, if, if you can extend a writ of habeas corpus to an elephant, why not to a dog? 
you know, it goes to some weird places. And um, I'm, I'm glad that the uh, the state of New York has stood up and said no to this ridiculous attempt to treat an elephant like a human. While the group in question was defeated, and this cannot be appealed, and no, I'm not going to say their name and give them publicity, um, they are going to attempt the same type of thing in other states. This was a statewide decision, and they are planning on bringing um, cases like this all around the country. So that's fun. But on a happier note, I'm getting to tell you a story about the Oakland Zoo and the way that they teamed up with the guests from Tuesday's episode, Lions, Tigers, and Bears, to save a lion and a trio of tigers from an abandoned roadside zoo in northeast Oklahoma. The roadside zoo in question was closed to the public in 2008, but before that offered cub petting and photo opportunities to visitors, and it is believed, though not confirmed at this time, that the owner has ties to Joe Exotic, the dude in the Tiger King BS crap that none of us like talking about. The conditions that the animals were living in were exactly as bad as you would think, and in fact, sometimes they were left without even food, and some good Samaritans from the community would show up and and take care of them. Uh, no vet care and um, really bad enclosures, you know, the, the standard crappy thing. But remember in the episode from Lions, Tigers, and Bears, and if you, you know, haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it, uh, when they said that they have a self-contained animal rescue hauler now? Um, yeah, well, they used that, and they shot out to Oklahoma, and they were able to get the tigers and take them right to the Oakland Zoo. Two of the tigers are currently staying at the zoo, while a third one was transferred to lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, indeed. Sorry, I just can't let that one go. The lion was taken to a Turpentine Creek Wildlife Refuge. Just great work all around. I love this story so much, and I think it's so cool that this has gotten huge national attention uh, right now as the, their episode came out, and, um, you know, hopefully this helps fight all of the roadside zoos that are out there. On a lighter note, voting for the 2022 Canada's Best Restroom Contest is now open. And uh, why do we care? Because the African Rainforest Washroom at the Toronto Zoo has been chosen as a top five finalist in the 13th annual Cintus Canada's Best Restroom Contest. You can vote for the washroom at the zoo every day through July 8th at bestrestroom.com slash CA slash vote. And now when you're in Canada, you know where the best place is to go have your own Rasafari poop story. Poop story. And also on the lighter side of things, you know, we often talk about the fact that zoos like to collaborate and work together on things. But right now there is a heated competition between Zoo Tampa at Lowry Park and the Denver Zoo. Well, okay, kind of. So it turns out that the uh, Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning have made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in the National Hockey League. I know, sports, right? 
But the zoos are having some fun with this. So they have officially started a bet. And um, if the Bolts win, the Denver Zoo will have the opportunity to spotlight Zoo Tampa's conservation efforts with Florida manatees and how for nearly three decades they have been entrusted in emergency situations to intervene, triage, and save critically injured, sick, and orphaned manatees. Um, on the Denver Zoo's social media channels. And if the Avalanche wins, then Zoo Tampa is going to highlight Denver Zoo's conservation efforts with Boreal Toads, a Colorado-listed endangered species, in posts on their social platforms. I love this so much, not just because, like, it's always fun when zoos do this kind of thing, but so often it's like, oh, they'll name an animal after one of our players or something. And that's cool and fun, too. But this is actually highlighting conservation work, a lot of which is done behind the scenes, and I am just really excited about that. And speaking of cool things that zoos are doing, which I guess is most of what Zoo News is, but anyway... Um, as a part of Pride Month uh, this month, Zoo Montana had decided to have the 406 Pride Drag Queen Story Hour held at the zoo. And when that was announced, bigoted people decided to be all bigoty and uh, start to attack Zoo Montana. So the director of the zoo, whose name is Jeff, uh, put out this message. I'm just going to read it. We have heard from many of you in regard to the 406 Pride Drag Queen Story Hour being held at the zoo later this month. Let me be clear, Zoo Montana prides itself in being inclusive of all living beings. 406 Pride is a respected and valued community asset, one we are proud to support and host at Zoo Montana. While personal threats and threats of no longer supporting the zoo are concerning, we will not let unwarranted fear and hate deter our decision to move forward with this harmless and fun reading event that is held throughout the country. At the end of the day, if your personal agenda does not fit this event, we simply ask that you do not come to the zoo that day. It would be a shame to never allow your children back to the zoo because of one simple event. Happy Pride Month. Jeff, Zoo Montana, thank you. Roger Williams Park Zoo has recently introduced the public to Newt. Not to unnoot, but to newt, the fox red Labrador retriever, who is the newest turtle sniffing dog that Roger Williams Park Zoo is using to help track turtle populations that are already or are at risk of becoming endangered. I love this program so much, and I would eventually like to see Paradiddle be used this way, which is my black lab. Um, and that was one of the things that Zoe first came up with when suggesting we get a black lab, and I am here for it. So far, we, we've trained Perry to do things like, um, you know, the standards, like sit, lay, and, um, oh, parkour. She's learning parkour, so that's cool. But at some point, I think conservation work and um, turtle sniffing is is in the you know, in the future. Just got to get that parkour down first. <laughs> and while Newt is a very good dog that is supposed to be at a zoo, a different dog, a male shepherd with no microchip, uh, was also at a zoo recently, but in a slightly different capacity. 
Um, this dog somehow got into the San Diego Zoo Safari Park and entered the gorilla enclosure. People who were at the zoo that day uh, witnessed the dog in the enclosure and saw that a gorilla instantly saw it and started chasing after it as the dog ran around. Now, there were no zookeepers right at the exhibit at that time, and instantly guests started to run around and uh, yell the gorilla's name, trying to distract it from the scared dog, while other people ran around the zoo trying to find a keeper. Eventually, a keeper was found, and I say eventually just because this must have been a very scary-seeming moment for for the animals involved and the humans there. But, um, you know, in a reasonable amount of time, a keeper was found. The safari park has a great and attentive staff, and keepers were able to use the recall of the gorilla that was chasing it and all of the other gorillas to clear the exhibit and then go in and rescue the pup. The pup is now with the Humane Society awaiting um, the discovery of who the owner is. Although I don't know that they're going to come forward. That just seems too weird that this even happened. Uh, But yeah, so a dog survived going into a gorilla enclosure at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Craziness. So proud of the staff there and the amazing recall work that they've done with their animals to get them off exhibit, even with such a new fun furry friend to play with. And speaking of a scary moment where no one was hurt, Um, This is kind of unbelievable to me, but the zoo train at the Cincinnati Zoo caught on fire last week. Um, It was actually Friday, the day that last week's zoo news dropped, and um, quickly everyone on the uh, train staff was able to see the fire and get everyone off the train. Not a single human was hurt, but yeah, the, the train caught on fire, so that's not great. But since I hate giving any bad press to my friends at the Cincinnati Zoo, uh, I am going to share a positive story from the zoo as well. This is actually really exciting. The Cincinnati Zoo is planning to reintroduce the American burying beetle into Ohio no later than by 2023. Now, if you remember way back with my interview with Lou Parati at Roger Williams Park Zoo, the American burying beetle is a really cool, interesting, and important species that is very, uh, very endangered. And there are a lot of zoos working to reintroduce them in different places in like Rhode Island and stuff. But now we're going to be able to reintroduce them into Ohio. This is a big deal. Um, The beetles are considered threatened and uh, currently have been extirpated from over 90% of their historic range, which included Ohio. So it'll be good to get them back there. And it definitely sounds like the zoo's going to be following the Lou Parati blueprint. So if you want to hear about the exact steps they're going to take to do this for the burying beetle, then you can go and check out that episode of the pod. And that brings us to Stereotypical Animal Podcast Theme Song. Here to bring you to Conservation News. And this one starts off with an absolutely great story. Two decades after it disappeared from the wild, the blue Spix's macaw will be introduced to its forest home in the wild again. 
This reintroduction effort started all the way back in 1995 when the Spix's macaw was considered the world's rarest bird. It earned this title in part because uh, scientists knew of, oh, let me check that number again. How many was that in the wild? One. There was one that they knew of in the wild. Along with that, there were fewer than three dozen birds held in collections in zoos around the world. And so um, the decision was made to release a single female into the same area as that male in the hope that the birds would uh, pair up and produce offspring. Taking horny to a new level. The two actually seemed to get along, and it looked like the plan was working for two months until the female disappeared, uh, later rumored to have been killed by striking a power line. A few years after that, the male disappeared as well, and uh, that was it for Spix's macaws in the wild. At least back then. Conservationists started working on a captive breeding program, and um, now eight birds are being released into the wild. And assuming that goes well, 12 more are supposed to follow at the end of the year, and still more in the years to come. If everything goes as conservationists hope, these birds will be the vanguard of a new population of Spix's macaws in their natural habitat. Now, it's worth mentioning that um, very few programs have ever been successful at reintroducing birds into the wild. And also, it's very rare that a program is successful at reintroducing something that has been extinct in the wild uh, for more than two decades. But hey, they're going to try. They've been working on it. There has been a lot of science and a conservation work done here. And uh, we can all hope that this beautiful, beautiful bird species will be able to thrive again. Kemp's Ridley sea turtles are the most endangered sea turtles of all the sea turtles. And that's why it's really exciting that a uh, Kemp's Ridley sea turtle has landed on Galveston Island and uh, built a nest with 107 eggs in it. Because this is the first time that a Kemp's Ridley has returned to Galveston since 2012. The entire nest has been transported to the incubation facility at Padre Island National Seashore, where the eggs will have a better chance at survival. All of those eggs represent such an important hope to the future of Kemp's Ridley sea turtles. Uh, but as y'all know, they don't have a high survival rate. So taking those eggs in and hatching them and giving them a head start could have a huge impact for saving the species. And considering that one turtle came back and nested at Galveston Island, there's a good chance that others will in the future. This is really good news for a species that really needs some really good news right now. While most people think of Galapagos tortoises as just one species, there are actually 14 different species of Galapagos tortoises. Of course, until recently, people might have told you that there were 13. That's because a tortoise from a Galapagos species that scientists had long deemed extinct has now been found to be alive. The tortoise, and right now it's only one, has been named Fernanda because the species is the Fernandina Island Galapagos giant tortoise. Um... 
And yeah, this is a super rare species. Obviously, they thought it was extinct, but um, they've never actually known of more than one, two, three at a time. So while it's scary that there's only one right now, it's always seemed like there were just a few. It's just a really well-hidden giant tortoise species. I don't know. Despite the history of rarely ever finding more than a few of these at one time, scientists are hoping that they'll be able to find more of the species and maybe even start a breeding program to save the species. But it's pretty darn hard to do with just one. So uh, for now, we wait and see what happens. And now it's time for... It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, then now it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the park on other news. Okay, so this one starts off a little grisly, um, even though it's not about a grizzly bear, but it's about a sloth bear. Uh, a sloth bear mauled a couple to death in a forest in central India. Um, and then spent hours playing with their remains, which is really kind of gross sounding. Uh, however, initially, there were reports from witnesses that said that it fed on these people. And um, OK, so first of all, let's let's break this down a little bit. OK, first of all, sloth bears do not tend to interact with people very much. And when they do attacks Almost never happen. But um, even more than that, it's worth mentioning that there are like no stories of sloth bears feeding on human flesh. So when the story initially hit and uh, I was reading about how a sloth bear ate humans, I was confused and concerned and and yeah, I've spent time with sloth bears, y'all. They... No, just no. I'm not saying they can't kill. Obviously, they can. They're huge. They're strong. But yeah, in this case, it was a rabid bear. They found out uh, they took the bear into captivity and it died a couple hours after this incident um, because of rabies. They tested it and it had rabies and, and rabies caused lots of craziness. And apparently the desire to play with dead bodies i don't know however they did not eat the humans which was the original report and that makes a lot of sense so i guess that's better than if the bear did eat the humans yeah sure on a less terrifying note there is apparently a woolly mammoth tusk that is just protruding from the riverbank on the koyakuk river in alaska while this fact has been known to certain people for a while, it has now become much more common knowledge because a group of University of Virginia professors uh, were told about it and were able to spot it and photograph the tusk just sticking out of the, the earth. It's kind of crazy to see. And uh, so now more people are aware that this is a thing. So yeah, I highly recommend that you hop on the internet machine, go to the Google, and uh, search for the photograph of the Alaska mammoth tusk. It's really something to see. It's kind of like a narwhal, but with land instead of whale. I don't know. Anyway, go check it out. 
And last but not least, uh, we gotta we gotta end this segment with uh, with a goofier story than anything I've shared so far. So uh, last week, two fishermen in Indiana were out fishing because that's what fishermen do, and one of them caught a blue catfish. I don't know why I yodeled the word blue, but I'm tired and this episode's supposed to drop in like five minutes. So, hey, whatever. Anyway, so um, they caught this blue catfish and uh, when they got into the boat, they noticed that the stomach was huge. So they thought, um, oh, okay, this catfish might have eggs or there might be some weird like food that it ate, you know, whatever. And um, so they pressed down on the catfish's abdomen and felt two hard objects. They knew at that point that it wasn't eggs and figured that it probably wasn't anything that the catfish would have eaten. So they went home and cut open the catfish, and uh, inside of it was a foam ball, part of another fish, and, um, oh, yeah— a uh, a fairly largely sized <clears throat> dildo. Now, I don't know about you, but that would have stopped me from eating the catfish for sure. Um, but also, I guess this is a, a good time to remind everyone to make sure that you um, properly dispose of your, you know, plastic bags so that they don't end up in the water because they look like jellyfish and sea turtles eat them. And apparently, make sure you properly dispose of your dildos because catfish will eat them um yeah i don't know there's a a getting catfished and having sex joke in here but i'm too tired to think of it taking horny to a new level oh animal oh animal animal holidays animal oh animal animal holidays hey all right so it's still zoom <laughs> zoom <laughs> I need to go to bed. All right. It's still June, y'all. And that means that it is Zoo and Aquarium Month, our World Oceans Month, and Orca Month. Now, if you're downloading this on the day that it comes out, that would be June 17th, which is the start of Cephalopod Week and also World Croc Day. The 18th is Veterinary Appreciation Day, and y'all, you really need to appreciate the vets out there. The 19th is World Albatross Day. The 20th is both International Horseshoe Crab Day and American Eagle Day. And it starts both Pollinator Week and Insect Week. The 21st is World Giraffe Day. The 22nd is World Camel Day and World Rainforest Day. And the 23rd is Pink Flamingo Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, so there we have it, folks. Another episode of Ross Safari Zoo News featuring Benjamin and Benjamini is done. I'd like to say thanks to Laura Shank, my Red Panda-level patron, and also to everyone who contributed stories this week. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Liz Dunlevy, Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross, Ren Howell, Carrie Kirkpatrick, and Crystal Chapman. 
And as a side note, in case you're wondering, yes, yet again, it was Liz Dunleavy who contributed the story that made you all blush at the end of the episode, because that seems to be her forte. When I asked Liz about that, kind of pointed that out to her, she said that it's not her fault because that's just what comes up on her social media. But we all know that social media picks things for you based on things you seem to like. So, uh, Liz, I'm not saying that we're all judging you right now, but we're all judging you right now. Anyway, seriously, though, thank you for contributing. You're a good friend. I like it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, I promise most of you, if you contribute, I probably won't make fun of you at the end of an episode. Um, I've known Liz since like high school, so I, I can make fun of Liz. Because trust me, she has no qualms about making fun of me. Anyway, y'all, uh, remember the words newsy credits backwards are Steiderk Yiswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.